You know what, Don? Yeah. Regardless of any clipping, the message will still go. All right. He's an enthusiast. <clears throat> okay. Is that a polite way of saying he has OCD? <laughs> That's what it sounded like. The message will go. Yes. I let um, go and let the message flow through the owl. Through the owl. <laughs> this is a really good segue into that the question. The spiritual owl. <laughs> Welcome to the Boiled Down Coffee Club Podcast, the meeting after the meeting, where we talk about our experience living sober. We don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. This is only our experience. We have no monopoly on sobriety. If you don't like our approach, that's okay. There's lots of ways to live and lots of ways to live sober. This works for us. I'm Don. Hi, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam. Sam. I'm glad you're here. Well, you know, I figured I ought to show up. We had this special guest on our calendar, and, you know, it's rude not to show up on time like I've done before. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're on time. We do have a guest. We do have a guest. Introduce yourself. Okay, my name is Nicole, and I'm your guest. Hi, guest. (laughs) Glad you're here, Nicole. Thanks for joining us. Really glad to be here. I guess you're an alcoholic. Very much so, yes. (laughs) I've heard. I've heard you are. I am... Very much an alcoholic. <laughs> Non-active, by the way, just to clarify that. There you go. I mean, that's an important clarification there. It absolutely is. I like hang. That's one of the things I really like about AA is I'm, I always liked hanging out with alcoholics when I was drinking. That's who I wanted to hang out with. Mm-hmm. Because we're awesome. That's right. They're the most yeah. fun. <laughs> the alcoholics are the one coming up with all kinds of crazy behavior. That's right. Which I Well, being sober... It's exactly the same. We got all kinds of crazy behavior and and wild enthusiasm because it's all alcoholics, but we're sober. And it tends to get a little tempered now because, you know, we still have amazing fun and crazy ideas, but we don't necessarily act on the crazy ideas. I don't act on all of them. All of them. Exactly. (laughs) To be a fly on the wall in a room, I'm talking to my sponsor. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, no, we can definitely. But I think that's kind of, I think that's what's supposed to happen. Yeah. Those thoughts just stay where they are. They're just thoughts. They become fluid. Yeah, I certainly didn't uh, think that it was going to be this much fun being sober. Mm-hmm. I kind of expected like, well, there goes all the fun. This is going to be a dreary life. Yeah. It is fun. I mean, I thought I was going to lose my creativity when I got oh, sober. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I thought I'll that I was going to not be able to create anymore. And um, actually, my uh, at one point, I was talking to my sponsor, and he said, you, you have given alcohol your creativity. And I realized that I, did, I, I had alcohol. What, without alcohol, I couldn't do anything is the way mm-hmm. I felt. So I'd given it away. And it's amazing what I've been able to do sober. I've been more creative sober than, well, I don't know if I've been more creative than I was when I was Mm -hmm. drinking. I was just as creative. But I haven't been less. 
and it's been mo more coherent. <laughs> I, well, I would suggest you probably have been less a creator of chaos in sobriety than you were as a drunk. Yeah, that's true enough. <laughs> yes, we could also think about how different Led Zeppelin albums would sound had they <laughs> been created with sober minds. You know, Ooh. I mean, well, alcohol still works for me every time I listen to Led Zeppelin. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, Those guys knew what they were doing under the influence. But, you know, but yeah, and our literature talks about that, you know, that, that a lot of us get to that place where it's, you know, my best ideas come yeah. to me when I'm drinking. But I think that goes... Along with, you know, once we get in here, we start taking inventory and we realize there's a huge difference in what our reality is and what our sense of reality is. You know, I mean, we have, a, I had a really twisted perception of what was real and what wasn't real in my life. And it mm -hmm. took years into sobriety to really start recognizing that you know and it reminds me of what some of us were talking about the other night um fear i think alcohol what it does is it removes inhibitions and fear from me so i'm able to be in social situations or i'm able to take be the, creative yeah take the mm. paintbrush to the canvas without any fear or any expectation on myself i'm just acting as if and that's been one thing that's been life-changing about being sober is uh, it's di it's different. It opens it up. It, yeah. It's different when you walk through the fear. You, mm -hmm. it, you like accept the fear and then do it anyway, which I'm able to do in sobriety and was unable to. It, I had to drink to be able to do it before. Mm -hmm. Although I will say it took me a couple of years before I could paint uh, yeah. a lot. It, I had to be sober a couple of years to be able to do it because I did have it really tangled up with alcohol. Mm -hmm. But that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. That uniquely qualifies you when you're meeting these guys that are coming in or, or women, you know, whoever, mm -hmm. um, you know, and they're in their first year and they still have all these fears, you know, because I know for me, I put a lot of expectations on where I should be at in a year, you know, mm -hmm. or even now I've, I go through this all the time. I'm like, I'm 10 years sober. I'm 36 years old. Like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> you know? yeah. But I, you know, that's why AA just is such a great balance because it reminds me, you know, and I've got this, <clears throat> I read this thing the other day and I, I've saved it because um, it's just so, uh, so good to remember that, you know, if I quit now, if I quit where I am now, then I'll end up back where I started and when I started, I wanted to be where I was right now. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and you just, yeah. but back to the point of, you know, you're able to pass that experience on. Like, yeah, it took me a couple of years to really get over this particular fear, you know. And I think we continue to administer hope to people, you know, beyond those early days. You know, I think... That's what my experience was. You know, I, I, I got hope that I was going to be able to live without going back to a drink. You know, and I've just continued to get hope that, you know, no matter what, you know, I'm, I'm never going to have to pick up a drink again. You yeah. know, at least today. Well, so speaking of early sobriety, mm -hmm. what is it that, that got you here? So what was what was life like those those that such that it got you to come to AA? Oh, yeah, that's always the million dollar question, here, isn't you know? it? But that's what every newcomer wonders. It's true, you know. And um, one one thing that really um, I mean, because I 
Sam and I were talking, just really uh, involved in working with young people. You know, a lot of that comes from I was first exposed to AA when I was 16. Wow. Yeah. So I came to my first meeting at 16, um, but I was 26 when I got sober. So in those 10 years, a lot happened. Yeah. Um, and a lot changed. But what didn't change, what I found out when I got here, um, is the, the, the message in Alcoholics Anonymous is stayed the exact same. You know, but mm-hmm. I changed, you know, my level of willingness had changed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, and, and a lot of people. Um, so, well, what happened the, the last? No, the last time that you came. So you'd been exposed to AA. Mm-hmm. But when you came and it, and it stuck, what was going on inside of you that was going where you gave up and decided to do AA? Well, or did you? I mean, no, so. I, I did. And, you know, I am one of those uh, people. Uh, sometimes I, I get a little apprehensive sharing this, but then I also understand it takes all kinds, you know, of stories mm-hmm. to keep this thing going. Mm-hmm. Um, but I firmly believe that I'm one of those people that the obsession to drink was in move, w- removed immediately. Um, but I know that that's not how it works for everyone. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I think um, what was different is, you know, I had had moments where I would think, man, something's not right. <laughs> like, you are not when drinking, you're drinking like normal people, you know. Yeah. Now, at first, it wasn't like that. Uh, when I was a teenager, um, I learned the first time that I got drunk that uh, God had given me a gift and it was a very high tolerance for alcohol, you know, <laughs> and it seemed to impress all the football players at the party that night, you know, and, and I just, you know, up until that point, you know, I, I haven't met an alcoholic yet that doesn't say this, um, but I always felt different than everybody. You know, I felt like I didn't fit in or, Somebody, you know, wasn't going to like me. I mean, it was just this constant um, mental anguish, you know. And um, I don't know, that kind of changed it. You know, to me, I think the drinking became who I was because I was really good at it or so I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I look back on it, I remember um, I I worked in certain gentleman establishments that weren't very gentlemanly, I'll just say. But mm-hmm. I remember one one shift, I had drank an entire fifth of vodka, and um, one of the bouncers said, "Oh my God, you drank a whole fifth of vodka during your shift. Do you realize that?" And my perception at the time was, well, hell yeah, I do. I'm and like, I know I've you're still jealous. got at a girl going right yeah, now. I mean, I'm damn, saying, girl. But I'm thinking, you know, and, I'm, and in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I did. You know, I'm super <laughs> proud of myself, and I'm heading to the bar tonight. And I did, yeah. you know, and, and that was one of the nights that sticks out. I remember there was a bar downtown. I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but you used to have to have a special key to get in. And Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. And so I, you know, went. You know, promptly took myself there and drank another fifth. And I remember my, you know, boyfriend, we used that term loosely at the time, um, made the comment to me about, you just drank a fifth. And I was like, yeah, and I had one on my ship today, too. And But when I look back at that now, 
I don't think they were really saying, good job, Nicole, you drank a fifth. I think no. they were like, holy shit, Nicole. <laughs> yes. right. Do you realize that you just drank two fifths of But honestly, at that time, I really, I was wearing that like a badge of honor. Yep. You know, but it's not normal. And I remember my mother, um, I had, um, my grandfather was alcoholic. I, I don't know that he ever said he was an alcoholic, but... Um, he had a really high tolerance, and a lot of my uncles did. And I remember one time my mom saying that to me, you drink just like them, you know? And, mm. and I was like, well, yes, I do. Thank you very much, you know? Right. But again, when I look back on it now through sober eyes and a different perspective. What seemed, what was normal, what seemed normal was act absolutely abnormal. To other people. To other, to other people. people. Yes. But it was a sense, it was absolutely a source of pride for me that mm-hmm. I could drink like that. I don't, oh, now, yeah. frankly, I couldn't drink like you did, but no. wow. Me neither. But uh, I don't know. How I think I did, you might be honestly. an alcoholic. I am very okay. much so. <laughs> but I couldn't keep it up. You know, I'll, I'll go into that in a minute about how that ended up going down. Well, yeah, but it's, it was, but it was totally a sense of pride. Yeah. I loved how much I could drink. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. Yeah. Yeah, and it just, you know, it didn't last. You know, that was one of the things I, I did kind of start noticing. Um, but at the time, again, a lot of this, when I came to AA and I was reading the literature, and actually, I actually read the book in a detox center in the by myself. It's the best thing ever happened to me, and I'll never forget. You identified when you read it? Oh, I will never, ever forget. You guys know, I already told you I'm going to cry a lot. Oh, <laughs> But I, honestly, laying in that bed and reading that line that says, this explained many things for which I'd never been able to explain before. And, and, and everything right. up to that, it, I, I literally get covered with goosebumps when I yeah. say that because it was the first time in my life I was able to say, that's why that happened. Yeah. That that's this why is what's wrong with me. I I had never been able to do that before. It was always what's wrong with me? What what is going on with me? And and that was one of the things I started noticing is um I never really tried to hide that I was a drinker until kind of closer to the end. Um and I didn't I didn't drink in secret the whole time, but I would do things like so people wouldn't notice how much I was drinking. I would drink before I went somewhere. You didn't consider that hiding, but it was hiding. But it was, right. But And, and I, again, you you come in here and you, you're reading this literature and you're going to these meetings and people are talking to you. And it to me, I was, that was my pink cloud. I mean, I was very scared, but I also, that things like that is what convinced me. I'll never forget this woman who later um, actually was my sponsor for five years telling this story about how one time she was she was a nanny and after the kids had went to bed or something one night the dad you know made everybody a cocktail like a gin and tonic or something and and he unlocks the liquor cabinet and makes everyone a nice cocktail and then puts the gin back in the liquor cabinet and locks it and <laughs> she's sitting there going whoa whoa wait what what why are you putting it away you <laughs> know and this fear was of her thinking and and honestly only a real alcoholic can identify with this because I have said this exact thing to my mother and she looks at me like I have two heads but when she said that and she talked about the fear and the 
the thought of should I drink this one drink or just not drink it at all because I'm not getting another one. Yeah. And again, I get covered in chills because I'll never forget hearing her say that. And then it immediately brought me back to this time that I had volunteered, which rarely ever happened. But I did it because I heard there was an open bar. (laughs) So again, you know. Such noble of purpose. Yes, yes, yes. It's very much uh, stage. (laughs) But yeah, and, and so I had gotten into the habit of having a few, more than a few, before I went out drinking so I had already set off that allergy. You know, at the time I didn't yeah. know about the allergy, of course. But then um, I show up to this event, and the bartender. I, first thing I do is go up to the bar, you know, and uh, and he says, well, you know, if you're a volunteer, you can't drink until after the event. And I'm like, that's four fucking hours from now, dude. Oh yeah, <laughs> are you and that's kidding? Why I'm here. <laughs> but I now, but I will never forget that four hours felt like an eternity and it literally felt like I was drowning and as soon as that thing was over and I got that you know liquor you know to my lips oh yeah if if you had not pre-gamed that if you had not had those drinks before you went Mm -hmm. that four hours while it probably would have sucked would not have been anything close to that it wouldn't have been as bad yeah you're absolutely right it was when i got the alcohol in me don't tell me i can't have any more oh yeah i had the opportunity to for a restaurant to hang paintings uh, on a monthly basis so i kind of curated a show for that Mm -hmm. restaurant and it was good because I had a lot of friends who were artists and I was giving everybody an opportunity and I could show my artwork and they said I could hang it, but I couldn't hang it until 10 o'clock at night. And I hadn't, I was going, oh, that's fine. And I, the problem was, we know where this <laughs> is going. That's why I love it. We're laughing because we're like, we know what's going to happen. <laughs> 10 o'clock is a long time. And I couldn't go in there, you know, snot slinging drunk. I had to be... <laughs> I had to be sober uh, to a certain extent uh-huh. so I could have a you know a couple of beers but I would just be going well what it's 8:30 well okay I I'm not going to have a well I'll have a I'll have one beer and I was mm. dr- what is it's well, 8:31 8:31 it's, <laughs> yeah. it's like took for, and I got but here's the thing I got so mad at that restaurant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, enough time on our it hands. We're going to get a resentment. Oh, yeah. It's it was like their that. fault. <laughs> and they were unreasonable with this that I couldn't go in there and hang it. Because why can't I come in, uh, you know, at mm-hmm. 7 o'clock and if there's no one sitting at the table, at least I could do that one. And also... Sometimes they wouldn't offer me a beer while I was hanging it. Some, sometimes they would. Right now, what is this establishment? Is. I am never eating there. <laughs> <laughs> they do not know how to treat alcoholics properly. <laughs> they, they do not. And, but oh, and never mind the fact that they're having you put your artwork on the wall. I'm, I'm assuming you weren't paying to do that. No, I, no. Uh-uh. Oh, so you had they opportunity yeah. to yeah. sell your artwork in yeah. their establishment, and they were giving this. Sure, to it you. was not, and un- you had no gratitude minute, about that whatsoever. I, I think we're starting to feed the resentment here. We should list this on paper. We should look at the causes. And it was, it's time for columns. <laughs> it's, 
<laughs> I'm going to start using that on, on my girls when they call me like, oh, sounds like somebody needs college. <laughs> that's awesome. That's really. But, you know, but that sense of awareness, you know, at first was so uncomfortable. I mean, well, that's when I the say kind at of first, I'm talking about like the first few years. AA. Yeah. That was feeling that. I mean, I didn't at that mm-hmm. time. I drank for an, another five, seven years after that. But it was those kinds of pressures like, what's wrong with me? Because oh, yeah. I had a feeling something was, it was, I was deflecting it and being angry at them. But I knew something mm-hmm. was up. I mean, it, it was Oh, odd. generally when I lash oh, yeah. out, it's it's something in me. It's not what what the other is doing. So, I mean, it's definitely, but I may not be able, or I may not be able to own that it's something Mm -hmm. in me, but some part of me knows that it is something in me. And that was definitely the case in drinking. One thing that, aside from, you know, the, as I started to reach those last, you know, days of drinking, um, you know, were a lot of things I noticed. My tolerance started to shift. So I used to be able to drink two fifths in a day. Then it was, it was, I'm telling you, it was really bad. But then I would say the last six to nine months I drank, it's, it started to get to where some nights I could have two beers and I would be trashed and I couldn't understand that. And then, you know, some nights I could drink and drink and drink and drink. It was really weird. And then, um. You're one you know, of the people a, who are drinking quit working. Well, and that's what I was getting to. It, it did. It, it quit. Um, it quit working. But I actually had a doctor when I went to the... Because my last drink ended up, if we get there, I'll tell you more about it, in the emergency room and transferred to detox. But uh, they had me on an alcohol drip for about 11 hours. And the doctor at the time, I remember, you know, I asked him about that. You know, and he told me that... Asked him about what? About why is it that here lately if i drink you know one night it's my i can have two and i'm trashed mm-hmm. and if i drink the next very next night i might be able to drink a fifth or your two standard or, two yes fifths. i mean it would right <laughs> yeah. so it just it started to get really wonky and i didn't know what to expect and he was just saying that alcoholism really progresses so differently and, and metabolisms are different in, in alcoholics. And luckily he was a doctor that really, you know, believed that it, you know, in, in alcoholism, but yeah, you know, I mean, cause that explains why, you know, some people, like, I think that I was one of those people. I don't know that I could have physically drank for years and years and years longer. I think that I would have, because that's, kind of what happened right so when i came to um april 14th um it's my sobriety date um when i came to and i had ended up on the phone with this treatment center somehow i mean you know things are so vague and um and i remember the woman you know asking me you know what have i done and i just mostly drank and and i had done um what is the uh the pill the anti-anxiety uh xanax yes and Long story short, she ended up telling me, uh, you either need to get to an emergency room immediately or you need to drink something 
And then she was explaining to me that when you, was this? You had called a, AA? No, that? I didn't call AA. I called a treatment center. I found like I literally crawled across the floor to a phone book. One eight hundred AAA. I don't know, <laughs> honestly. I don't know why, or you know, I just know that I was on the phone, um, and I said, and and that's, and, and I share about this a lot um, in meetings too, um, if it pertains to you know that that first step or someone's really new is that that moment is the first time that I had what I know now is a sane thought to a drink. When she told me, you either get to an emergency room or you drink now because you could you could die. Right. You know, <laughs> you I, I didn't think, well, that's a little drastic. I knew. I believed her. Mm-hmm. But before, if someone would have said, Nicole, you're going to die if you keep drinking – I would say, you know what, that's a little drastic. But in that moment, you had that moment of clarity, I knew that moment she of was telling me the truth. But I wasn't willing. I was more willing to lay there and die than I was to pick up a drink. And I thought, wow. and I told her, I said, I would rather lay here and die than pick up a drink. So you need to help me get to an emergency room. And that's that's amazing. But I will never forget that. You know, I'll just, I won't ever forget you it. Were you were know? done. Yeah, so, I was. But, you know, other. That, that's why it was probably removed to an extent because your your surrender was so complete. Well, but things had started happening, too. I mean, um, when, and as it relates to the not working. So I had, I had a son when I was a teenager. And, um, you know, kids really require a lot from you as a parent and if you're an active alcoholic it just really interferes with your ability to have a good time and drink you know and I laugh about that now but it's not funny and 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 that's kind of a coping mechanism I guess that I've developed but in reality um and it's just so amazing how certain stories come full circle that's another thing I would say I love about being sober um, for a while um because I was on the phone with a a woman the other day who um, has just recently, you know, had a situation where she's going to have her son all the time because the father's very active in in, in drinking and, and they made a decision, you know, that she would, would Is this have a woman him. who's sober? She is. She mm-hmm. is. She's a, a, a wonderful person in my life. I'm so glad um, to know her. But when I was talking to her the other day and she said to me... Um, I said, well, how did how did he respond? How did he react when you guys made that decision? And she said, he almost seemed relieved. <clears throat> I'm sorry, but you know, I think we don't we don't realize how powerful drinking really is. Like when it's in there, you know, the and, obsession, and it's so powerful that the removal of that obsession has to be even more powerful than that. So when I think about things like what is a higher power, you know, I used to really try to figure it out, but I really just look at it as whatever happened in that moment, that was more powerful than anything that had ever happened in my life other than drinking. Because mm-hmm. to me, drinking was the most powerful thing that had ever taking place in my life and for that to be replaced with something not drinking that then became whatever this power is you guys were telling me to believe in so I just simply that's where I began I just started to believe something changed in me that day because I will never forget my son's dad you know he was 
you know, very young, I mean, still in diapers, you know, and, and having that same conversation that I'm hearing this woman tell me that she just had. Um, and, and I remember that sense of feeling relieved that that's one less thing that's going to stand in my way, you know, and I may not have consciously thought that at the time, but um, I would have moments, you know, through the years because he, you know, obviously his father, you know, removed him. I mean, I used to think that was something that they did to me, but Two now, years. yeah, and this, again, took many years. Uh, I realized that it's something they did for my son, not against me. And, uh, you know, just th thinking about, um, you know, things that, when, when we talk about alcohol stopped working, uh, my experience with that is there, there was a good chunk of time, excuse me, when... Um, you know, I would, I would remember him, or I could hear his voice, or I remember one night very vividly, um, I could just hear him crying in my mind, and I just missed him so much, and I would just, I would give anything just to see him, and you know, just having this huge feeling of, you know, I've got to figure out how to get my life together so I can be in his life again, and I would drink and mm -hmm. it would just go away. You know, like yes. that those thoughts would just go away and it was just saw, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But eventually I would drink and they still showed up. Alcohol was a solution, oh. but it was a solution that failed. Yeah, you know, it quit taking those thoughts away, you know, and uh You would think that <clears throat> what so I got two two thoughts with this. One was the time that my wife said at six o'clock in the morning when my son came in and woke us up that she said, well, you know what? A mother just cannot be an alcoholic Ugh. because you have to be available to this child who's always going to be there needing. And I was like, well, well, that just proves you're not an alcoholic because oh, I've yeah. heard some stories mm -hmm. and and. With me, I understand it because when my son was three years old, two years old, he had ear infections all the time. Mm. And he would, so in the middle of the night, or so it would be like a 11 o'clock at night, and I'd hear him start crying, and I'm drinking and painting in my studio, and... I remember hearing him crying and going, oh, no, mm -hmm. he's crying. This means that I'm going to have to drive to the 24-hour drugstore and get this medicine for his ears to stop the pain. And I'm drunk. I'm totally drunk. And I'm scared I'm going to get a DUI. And I would get mad at him mm -hmm. for crying but then immediately replace that with a shame of like, what is the matter with me to feel that way? The poor boy is uh, crying, you know. And God, I hated that feeling. Oh, yeah. But that was, that was how powerful mm -hmm. the obsession was. It, it, it was. It's a horrible trap that a parent is in with that and with alcohol. And you would think that you could easily control it mm -hmm. for a little innocent child but 
alcohol is powerful. It's so powerful. I mean, and just, yeah, and alcoholism, it's just, it's, and I have a, a daughter now. I mean, I've, she, she'll be three the end of the month, so I've been able to be a sober parent, you know, and I, I think things um, with her, you know, like I'll think, man, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't around when my son was this age. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're potty training right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I just, I wasn't around for that stuff. You know? So how do you deal with, the, with, with that? How, how do you feel about that and how do you process that, uh, that loss? Of- well, I've, oh, it's so, that's. Is it too personal? I no, no, it's not too personal. I, um, you know, it is something that, that I, I've processed a lot over the years. I remember um, my first year really working hard just to, you know, try to see my son and, and want mm-hmm. to be a part of his life. And, you know. Is your relationship with him uh, good now or is it No, strained? he's chose to, you know, not uh, not be in, in my life. And I respect mm-hmm. that. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, we we were able to, you know, have bits and pieces of a relationship over the years, but as he's gotten older, you know, and, and that's what I was getting to when, when you're dealing with people whose lives you have just been that tornado through, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, his father, you know, unfortunately is just not spiritually equipped to deal with how to overcome a resentment, mm-hmm. you know, and it took me a really long time to recognize the fact that, uh, my son is not enough to keep me sober, you know, and somewhere around that one year mark, I remember saying to my sponsor and, you know, I'm not going to hold back here, but I'd had an incident where, you know, yet again, I was told, no, you can't see him. It was just constant degrading. And, you know, his dad said very hateful things and, you know, that's just where he was. And uh, it just, oh, you know, it's nothing was going my way. Yeah. And and I remember calling my sponsor so angry. I mean, yeah, I just because we the get anger. sober doesn't mean yeah, everything's going to be. Right. Go. And I said, you know, yeah. I said to her, this is bullshit. This is absolute bullshit. I am doing every fucking thing you've asked me to do. I'm showing up. Every day I go to meetings, I've worked every single step, and I still don't get to see him. I don't even know why I'm sober. This is just a bunch of shit. You know, I mean, I was so mad, and I just remember just going off on her. And, of course, you know how, like, old-timers, like, no, I don't (laughs) (laughs) They just have this ease and comfort to them, you know, crotchety old (laughs) bastards. That's what I think. But, no, I just, but she did. She was just so calm, you know, and. And I think we need that, you know, calmness in our life. That's why they say, you know, um, to, to get somebody that's, you know, not where you are. But uh, I just never forget her looking at me and say, well, go drink. Um, oh, my sponsor. And I was like, wait, what? And then she said, yeah. She's like, you, you couldn't go and pick up a drink right now, even if you wanted to. And that was the moment I knew that something had been doing for me what I couldn't do for myself because up until that I really was I know I really was only doing it because I thought if I do this and I do it perfectly I'm going to get it back 
But I also remember, too, you know, I'm so grateful that uh, people never, gosh, you guys, I'm crying. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember being in a meeting, um, and people were talking about the ninth step. And I was like, yes, that's the step that's going to get my son back, and I'm going to get a job, and everybody's going to love me again. And and after the meeting, I was so excited to ask my sponsor about, well, when do you think all that stuff's going to happen? Because there was a woman there that night talking about how social services had removed her kids and all, all this other stuff. And I'm like, oh, well, if she can get her kids back from that situation, certainly, you know, my son's dad's going to let me be in his life and this super great mom that I never got to be. And um, I remember after the meeting asking my sponsor, you know, when's that going to happen? And she said, I don't know, it might not. And I thought, wait a second, what? What is this information? And that's the message that's always been carried to me. She said, you know, I don't know if you're going to get your family back or not. But I do know that even if you don't, you're not going to have to pick up a drink. Mm -hmm. Because that's what this book tells us. And that's what she told me. She says the only thing that anybody in here should ever promise you. You know, and, and I just... I didn't like it, um, and I still, you know, deal with insecurities because I do know a lot of people who have these great reconnections with it their children, and, and it can happen, you know. And I choose to allow God to use my experience to say just that, you know. I didn't get my family back the way that I thought it should be, and you know, but I haven't drank all day about it, you know. So, so you have, but you do have. A three-year-old? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I did with, uh, like, I mean, it's different, but I was unable to help my brother get sober. Mm-hmm. And he died. Mm-hmm. And I'm so sorry. Yeah. The, the, what I am able to do, though, is help other people mm-hmm. who... Um, who are available, who want help, and who want to get sober. And I have to apply that loss and that, um, you know, that, uh, well, I guess that grief to being able to be helpful to other people. Mm-hmm. And when I do it, I'm, you know, I kind of apply it back to him in my mind. It's what I can do. Yeah. And I couldn't, you know, I couldn't do anything with that. So we, we can't always, we don't always get to have everything our way Mm -hmm. but there but there are other areas where we can be where we're uniquely qualified to help and and some of the pain that i've been through with those things particularly like sometimes i'll do fifth steps at um, treatment center and listen to somebody's fifth step and it's amazing how many times it happens and somebody hits a wall of some pain mm. uh, where they've done something or th- or had this loss, and I can say I've been there and I've done that, and there's a there's a way to go forward mm-hmm. and live happily and be useful with my life, and boy, that's a gift. It is, and it you is. know that's that's when you hear people talking about you know you find something better than drinking here. Mm-hmm. And more effective because I, I know I know that's where it is you know I mean and it's very rare that a day goes by that I don't get to utilize that unique 
qualification. You know, I mean, even this morning, you know, 8 a.m., I'm on the phone with this woman, and I'm saying, listen, you're going to go to this place you're nervous about going to, and you're going to show up, you know, and then I... And I get to tell people things that were told to me, you know, that I would hold on to, you know, and my, if, if I had to pick a favorite line in the book, one that I've continued to just, mm, just cling to, it's that as God's people, we stand on our feet. You know, I may have had a bad past, done a lot of things. E- even in sobriety, I've not been perfect. You know, mm-hmm. I've been married and divorced since I've been sober, you know, and I didn't want to admit you know, that I'm getting a divorce, you know, and it's, but as God's people, I stand on my feet, you know, I don't have to go through my life crawling around, feeling like I'm less than, you know, I get to show up in spite of how I feel or in spite of my past, you know, and, and that moment when we are with another alcoholic and they're in this, you know, line of fire with themselves and their thoughts and their fears. You know, we get to stand up and look them in the eye. You know, that in itself, being able to look somebody in the eye is like, what? But yeah. we get to tell them, you know, this this is sobriety. It's life. That's what it is. It's life. It's going to happen. It's going to manifest a lot of happiness and a lot of sadness and a lot of fear and excitement. And it's all of it. Like, we don't get to just feel one feeling happy and relaxed. That's all I ever wanted to feel. (laughs) You know, that's that's when drinking was working. Yes. It's like, yeah, let's kick back and have have a few drinks, you know. But I quit always feeling happy and relaxed, you know. You know, one of the things that that just happened for me listening to you say this, um, you know, I I have in my mind this thing that uh, that I've heard for years from, from friends. Uh, that you know, our greatest liabilities become superpowers, and they do. Oh, it's yeah. because That's I, it. I am That's again it, uniquely, uniquely qualified yes. to help other people. But you said alcoholics, and yes, absolutely, mm-hmm. my ability to share my experiences, both in uh, before sobriety and in sobriety, um, uniquely helped me help other alcoholics. But what has come from that, too, Mm -hmm. is that I am so willing to share with people who are not alcoholics. Yeah. Who I've gotten this this thing going on somehow where people get that I'm somebody that you can sit down and talk with. Yeah. (laughs) And and they're not necessarily alcoholics. Yeah. And and out of that, I've learned to listen to people Mm -hmm. and how to... Uh, be supportive and share my experience without saying, you know what you ought to do? Yeah. And that's a even difference. non-alcoholics appreciate that. They do. They do. But that's a learning experience, too. You know, my first few years sponsoring people, God bless them, the ones that are still around. <laughs> that's all I can say is God bless them. Because I, you know, again, I just, I've had to learn what's effective, what's not effective. And what a great place to practice. You know, AA, I think, was it you? Somebody was saying that the other night about, like, you can practice certain things in in the walls of AA with the fellowship, you know. And and I remember that, you know, my sponsor telling me things like, well, you know, just start acting like a newcomer outside in the real world. You know, get, show up early, 
Ask what you can do to help. You yeah. Know, help out. You know, if you don't know what's going on, ask somebody that's been in the situation before. You know, so when I first got a big girl job, you know, I'm like getting to work 15 minutes early every day and I'm making <laughs> coffee and I'm like, this is awesome. You know, now seven years into it, I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> 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 so gratitude, you got to keep the gratitude yeah, going, yeah, you know, on. which goes back to what we were saying earlier, you know, like I find myself complaining about things in my life today, you know, and even, you know, my daughter, God, I love her, but she's almost three, you know, I mean, those little boogers. <laughs> it's at times, it comes and goes. And I find myself just like, oh my gosh, like. Just relax. Just take it out. Just, uh, you know. And then, I, you know, I'll go to bed at night and, and I'll just think, man, she wore me out today. What in the world? And and then I just remember, and this is what's so amazing about, you know, I would say steps 10 and 11, you know, is those moments when you do, you're going to bed at night and you're reflecting on your day. And maybe you don't feel, you know, as comfortable about some of the thoughts and feelings you had that mm-hmm. you wish you would have had different or, you know, whatever. And and instead of beating myself up over it, I can just say, you know what, I just really wasn't very grateful for that, you know, or I just really wasn't um, where I wished I would have been, you know. But that's why tomorrow is a new day. And, and, and each day for us is really all we have. You know, I heard somebody say that in a meeting the other day. We do all this work, and you know what we get for it? You get one day. You get one. That's all you get. And we got to make the best of it. And some days I'm better and some days I'm not. But, you know, just little things like complaining about my job or complaining about my daughter or or anything like that. You know, I in those moments where I can be quiet and just take a look back on the day, I can. That's sometimes when I recognize, you know, I never thought I'd be a sober mother. You know, I never, ever thought, you know, that that would ever happen in my life. And Here you, know, you are. Man. <laughs> <laughs> and they just, like, get you, you know. And, and, and even with work, you know, I complain about work. and um, But I'm so grateful I have a job, you know. I mean, we, we can't say names, right? No, I can't say names. I'll, I can cut it if it is. Oh, well, Wayne S. over at the Summit Club oh, gave me, like, S. one of my first jobs sober, you In know. In fact, Wayne S. has been on the podcast. <laughs> okay, yes. good. But, yeah, he uh, he and his wife, and I'm telling you, they he paid me under the table, you know, $10 on the table to clean. Now, that part you probably shouldn't put on. You know, I did, I did, like, construction cleanup for him, and, yeah. you know, and, and, and they taught me things like how to do honest days work for honest days pay, you know, and, and, and I forget that in the midst of how great my life is today. I forget there was a time where I was nervous. I would never have a job, you know, and then here I am, I've worked for the same company seven freaking years, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, it's just, it's just amazing. And I was in, um, it's hard to hold on to gratitude like that, but I mean, it's a real trick. You gotta work at it. Yeah, you, you, know? you have to be intentional about it. I have to be intentional about it. Intentional. I'm, that, that's I'm a key real, word there. Um, yeah. Prone to finding fault in everyone and everything. It's the first thing I see. Well, and that's where this. I, I love that they call it this in the big book: a design for living. Yes. You know, that's where this comes in, so that when we do that, our tenth and eleventh step work. Where, you know, I've got this thing that is a part of my my design for living, mm-hmm. the part of this program that I live that tells me to review 
my day. Mm -hmm. Take a look at where I am. What have I done today? What did I do? What do I wish that I had done differently? How might I do it differently next time? Things like that. Mm -hmm. But being really careful. I've, I'm really kind of the past few years learning that kind of what Don just said. I am so quick to only look at what I don't like about my day. Yes. Yeah. And learning that it's okay to look at some good stuff. You know, it's all right. Yeah. It's nothing wrong with that. You got to look at both. And it, it took me years to realize, it, even when we do our original inventory in step four, it says in there that we learn to keep what's good and discard what we don't need. Yes. You know, and I always use with, with women who I'm taking through, the, through that step, I always use the refrigerator analogy. You know, if you have fresh grapes next to spoiled milk, you don't throw them both out. Right. Leave the grapes. That's great. Get rid of the milk, but you don't just get rid of it. You know, like we get to replace it. Like all of this stuff gets replaced, you know. And so I know I said the other line was my favorite, but if I had a second favorite. Oh, I have tons of favorites. I know yeah, it would be, too. you know, like when it talks about it took years for us to tear those structures down, you know, but those old buildings, they get replaced with finer ones, you know, and that is just, if I didn't spend time with you guys, and and, and 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 that to me I think is a lot of people lose that sense of fellowship because it's it's not always just hanging out with another alcoholic. It's the ones like you want to be around the people that remind you of that, you know, because they they go through that too, that active gratitude, you know, and sometimes gratitude comes really easy. Sometimes, you know, like we were saying, you just really got to search it out, you know, and, and just say, man, I am just an ungrateful little bitty today. <laughs> well, and I need people in my life who remind yes. me, like you're saying, you know, it, it, it hits me right then, you know, stick with the winners. It's oh, one of the yeah. things I heard early mm. in recovery. It doesn't apply just to early recovery. Oh, yeah. Even once we become a winner, we still need to stick with the winners. Now, yeah. we need to let the, the future winners be around us, mm -hmm. too. And I think that's a very important clarification mm -hmm. about stick with the winners. Because you got to let people come around you if you're a winner. That's, yeah. why, that's why I'm doing this podcast with you. <laughs> Your philanthropic soul. <laughs> I'm not going to tell I'll you about the kick me sign I just put it. on your back. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that, that really is a thing that, mm -hmm. you know, in, in later, as we continue to, to, to live sober lives and grow in all this, I still need to be with the winners. Yeah. yeah. And it takes a long time, you know, to kind of realize that, I, you know, and being, being around the young people a lot really helps me, you know, kind of go back. I mean, I remember when I first started coming around, I was trying so hard to be one of the cool kids in AA, you know. I'm like, I got to hang out with that group of people. They look like they're super cool, you know. But then... My perception of what cool was really started to change. You know, when you, you, you're you kind of doing something a little different, you start thinking, well, you know, I'll tell you what it is, fellas. You get a conscience. Mm -hmm. Like, it starts, it, it takes over, and you're like, wait, what is that? <laughs> What's mm -hmm. going on? You know, when you're looking at a situation, and you're thinking... I don't know if that's a good idea or not. You know, when you're calling your sponsor, and you're like, well... 
some of these people are going out to this bar to listen to this band play after the meeting tonight. And I was thinking maybe I could go. And she's like, well, maybe those people have gotten to the 10th step, but you haven't. Because it says until step 10, we avoid temptation, Nicole. But I'm going to let you make that decision. But, but just like picking up on, like even early on being willing to ask, like, is it okay if I do that? Getting that sense of this might not be. Now, of course, I don't go through that now. I mean, I can go anywhere and I'm safe, but I will tell you, I mean, if I got fired from my job on Monday and I was scheduled to go to a concert that night, I might not go to the concert. Yeah. Well, you, you have know? to see how you're feeling. <laughs> yeah, you, you know. you got to check in. But at first, you know, that learning to kind of trust that, that intuition and you know, being one of the cool kids, you know, it's not it's not always what it's so cracked up to a be. Conscience oh. and, and, and and a you, complex. <laughs> a conscience and a complex. Well but you became willing to call a sponsor too yeah. to check my thinking. I call and check my thinking and and sometimes my thinking is a little bit different than the way I think it well, is. Well, now that's true too. <laughs> you know, one of the other things is that when uh, when I got in here and and uh, and I've done this over the years, um, I you know I totally and I, there's part of me still wants to be part of the cool crowd and all yeah. that. Absolutely, you are. No doubt. The, you are. Well, you didn't totally. Know we but were I don't cool know crowd. that. That and that's the cool thing. That's what that's makes right. me so cool. Is we're that so I don't cool. know we I'm don't cool. Know that we're exactly. cool. It's like when yeah. you're a hero, but you don't think you're exactly. a hero. Exactly. You're like a hero. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But it's putting out that call for help of, uh-huh. you know, I want to hang out with some people. I'm, I'm lonely or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, so-and-so says, okay, Sam, let's go hang. Hey, hey Sam, you want to go get coffee or you want to go uh-huh. to a meeting and eat? And with you Well, not really because you're not the type of people that I want to hang out with. Uh-huh. I'm waiting for the cool people to ask yeah. me to go do something. Yeah. That's not how this works. Mm-hmm. So when I put out that call for help or even if I don't and somebody says, hey, Sam, do you want to go to a meeting with me tonight? The answer is yes. Oh, yeah. You know, you I'm, know- not chick- I'm not choosy so superficially choosy like I used to be. You know, one thing I really love, and I really, I try, and, and I was told to do this early on, and, and it's one thing that I always make sure to, to pass on as a suggestion, you know. Um, I love that feeling, like even thinking when, when I'm when I'm at my home group on Wednesday nights and, and you walk in, because it's one of those, you know, everybody's outside before the meeting, you know, mm-hmm. but then you, the people that are really scared, you know, they're inside. Sitting in a corner, mm-hmm. just waiting for it to say eight o'clock, you know, <laughs> and and just going up to them, you know, and and you know, forget all that men with men, women with women. I mean, if there's a new person in the room, just go introduce your damn self. You're not hitting on them, Thank you know. You. Well, I mean, some people might, but you know, I think there's a way you can do it. it you know, and I've on, learned. It depends on what your motives are. I get it, and I, I've learned. You know, I just don't really sweat that stuff anymore but mm-hmm. you know if, if it's a, a person I've never seen you know and and especially the ones like maybe they're a little rough around the edges whatnot you know you never know the power of saying you know hey I'm really glad you're here tonight thank you for coming you know mm-hmm. you don't know what that can do for somebody because I know for me <clears throat> gosh I'll get I'm so emotional People in AA want you when nobody else wants you around, you know, and we don't know because we are, we do try so hard to be chameleons 
And like the person in the room that may seem the most confident and put together person in the whole world, you know, that night they might need, they might be the person that needs someone to say, you know, I'm really glad you're here. Yep. You yeah. know, I'm so glad you've been coming here on Wednesdays or I'm, you know, you just don't know. I'm glad you're here. Nicole, thanks for, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for Absolutely. Yes. Thank you sharing. for joining fun. us. It's it, a lot of fun. It's really good. Watch out for that owl! It's time for our old timers question. Who are you calling an old timer? You! That's what happens if you don't drink and you don't die. <laughs> no matter how long you've been sober, it's still one day at a don't time. Don't call me Sonny. Sonny. Uh, <laughs> if you want to ask us a question, go to boiledowlaa.org. Today, we have a question from Quincy in Conundrum, Colorado. <laughs> is that a real place? <laughs> I, it is now. <laughs> it just became one. I question that, but go ahead. Uh, don't doubt me. <laughs> what is this letting go thing? How do I let go? What do I let go? Mm. What say you, old timer? How do I let go? What do I let go? Those are good questions. Those are questions I certainly had. It's like, um, I remember have talk. I met with um, my sponsor's sponsor. I had lunch with him. He was a businessman. And I made an appointment with him, and I was going, listen, I own a small business. I'm a painter. And how am I supposed to let go of all of this? I need to make sure that I have work coming up. I've got to deal with uh, the schedule. I've got to call people. I've got to, what, how can I let go and still do all of this? And not only that, at home, I've got problems. I've got this and that. And, he's good, and I was laying all this stuff out and it won't be, whoa, 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 whoa. It's just one day at a time. You just look at the next right thing. What's the next thing that you need to do? And he, he just brought me back. And that's where letting go is. I could, to let go of all the things I can't control. Now, I can think about it, but I wonder how much of it is worrying and how much is productive. You know? mm-hmm. And it's not useful for me to spend all my energy worrying about things that I have no control over. That's what letting go is. And the only thing I have control over are my actions. What's So the question is, when I get tangled up in all of that and in the future and worries and all of that, is to ask God to direct my thinking. I'll pause, let go of all the stuff, breathe a little bit, ask God to direct my thinking, and find what the next thing for me to do is. Because there's really usually only one thing I can do at, at the time. And if I do focus on that and do that, then I'll discover what the next thing is. And the way I used to live was to make one bad decision followed by another <laughs> bad decision. And then, hmm, I think I'll make another bad decision and then screw it, I'm getting drunk. And oh, you wouldn't believe my day, how bad it went. Well, it's entirely different to let go of everything and make one good decision at a time. So I think, what is letting go? It's a matter of focus. I've just got to turn mm. my focus. Mm. Yeah. What do you think about that, Nicole? 
Man, uh, it's a hard act to follow. Yeah, I, I just let I, go of that. Let, let go of that. Let go of that. It's but not an act. What one thing that came? <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> are you levitating there, Don? I, think so. I am a spiritual sure. giant, gas giant. It reminds me of what Don was saying. Reminds me of someone told me once that you know sometimes doing nothing is doing something. Yeah. And I thought, that is so good. And, you know, AA is really good about that. Like, the stuff people say to you, it makes absolutely no sense. Surrender to win. That's yes. ridiculous. Yes. Seriously, Did you just you. hear what you said to me? That doesn't make any sense. Are you sense, an idiot? You know? <laughs> doing nothing is doing something. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but, you know, that's that. That's what I think about is when, when I don't want to let go of something, you know, it's, I, it's just another word for control. I'm just trying to control it. Instead of just letting it happen, you know, you do what you can. And Now, that being said, it took a long time. You know, I, I really look at that as uh, I got to hit a bottom with it just like I did with drinking. I had to keep doing things over and over again, even in recovery, till I was convinced, man, everything I try to control is going to happen whether I like it or not. You know, I mean, I... Some stuff is just out of my control and just kind of, you know, gauging that. But you got to have to go through some pain to get there, you know. But I'm certainly not perfect at it. But I, I definitely find myself, you know, I can relate to, to Don on that one, um, being able to, to take a, a step back. So I was at Torah study this morning and, and um, they, they were talking about, um, or it, could, it might have been at services last night where the, the rabbi was talking about um, whenever we say this certain prayer, you take three steps back. And then he was asking us, do you know why? And he's like, because if you want to be a peacemaker, sometimes you got to take a few steps back. Mm-hmm. And I think about stuff like that in my life, you know, like, man, I got to really, you know, I need to take a step back here. And and I think sometimes that's really how I, how I let go of things. I just kind of get uncomfortable. And then I think, I might need to look at this, you know, and then, self-reliance I learned through drinking failed me so I don't know why it's going to start working on me now and that's usually when I can say to someone like you know what do, what do you think about this and then of course inevitably the I'll hear someone you know say well you know Nicole sometimes doing nothing is doing something and I'm like shut up that's not what I wanted to hear not again but shut up know, Don but, but that's really a lot of what it is you know I think for me letting go is learning how to just Take a step back. Just look at it, you know, and that's two sets of eyes. You know, that's that's what I think the steps give me is two sets, two sets of eyes, and I get to choose. You know, I can stay focused on it like this, or I can, you know, cause, or I can look at it. This person's giving me this perspective, or this is what I'm looking at, and then, then it becomes a choice because I get to see two, two different sides mm-hmm. of it. You know, sometimes I... Don't always choose the right pair of glasses, but you know, that's what I love. With awareness comes choice. Yes. And I I was just driven Mm -hmm. when I came into these rooms. And one of the biggest things that I've gotten uh, over the years is through awareness is I get choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're responsible for that. You know, I think a lot of people, I know for me, I, I had to go through that learning curve of, you know, I am responsible for things. You know, God only does for me what I cannot do for myself. 
Which means step up. Exactly. You know, we got to work with God, you know, and that's another thing. We were talking about that this morning and last night. She's like, we work with God. You know, we manifest the power of God by how we make those choices, you know, and, and I just, I don't know. We could have a whole other conversation about Here that. You know? but what, it's, what did you say one good. time, Sam? You got to pray, but... But row. Pray to God, but row for sure. But row for sure. Yeah, and there's a really awesome um, saying. We we pray as if God is absolutely everything, but we gotta work like He doesn't exist. Hmm. You know, we gotta work together. You know, we depend on that power. So yeah, and you know, I would love. I, I guess if I had not a gripe, but I would love to be. You know, in meetings or, or have more conversations with people about that, you know, about how we, you know, grow into learning more of the dependency on that power and, and getting to that place of the difference in, you know, belief in and dependence upon God. We've and, got to have you back and, and have that discussion. <laughs> I've, I've got I so many questions I would like to talk to you about with the, with the things that you've brought up that we haven't been able to go uh, into in more depth. Of. It is. Um, for me, letting go is one of those things that it's it's been a learned process. Mm-hmm. And uh, but what I have, uh, it, I've got a thing, and, and indulge me, Don. I know that we're running a little over. No, go ahead. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I have, uh, I, I've been going through something over the past, well, for a long time, but aware of it for the past several weeks, and uh, and it was that I wanted to get more fit. Mm-hmm. And working on my not my spiritual well, fitness. I'm working on job. that too. Thank you. You're doing a good job. Uh, yeah, just, Greek just God so here. You know. yeah. um, <laughs> no, but uh, but this thing that um, you know, I've been going to the same gym for about twice a week for mm-hmm. for years. It's about a 35 minute drive. It totally annoys the hell out of me to drive there in the morning. Um, and and recently, I've been wanting to do more. I've been, but I have back problems. I have low uh-huh. back problems, and uh, so much so I'm waiting for surgery mm-hmm. and. I have allowed that low back issue to become an excuse to be lazy. Mm. And I owned that recently. And uh, last weekend, I went to an event and a former personal trainer of mine from five years ago was there as well. Mm -hmm. And we wound up talking a little bit. And he was like, give me a call. Let's talk about doing this again. So that was in my head. And then earlier this week, I prayed. I, I get. I hit my knees when I get up in the morning, mm-hmm. and on my mind that morning was something that I had been wanting to pray for a long time, and had not, did not have the guts to do it, because mm-hmm. I knew that doing it would call me to do it, mm-hmm. yeah. and that was help me to be something along the lines of help me to be active today and to eat healthily. Uh, if you ask for it, you might have to do it. Exactly. And yeah, also, it manifests. That's what I mean. You manifest you that power, and it. then you're like, wait a second, you know, did you not agree in the beginning. <laughs> I was willing to go to any league. You know, when you're out in the parking lot, you're trying not to go make that amends. You're like, man, I really hope this person gets hit by a car or something. And you're like, wait a second. <laughs> what in the world? You know, oh, uh, that's what happens yes, to us, though. Yes. I love it. Continue. So the, the final thing, uh, or, or not the final thing, but also um, recently a... Um, a friend gave me a uh, a copy of a bookmark that I had mm-hmm. gotten at a sobriety conference several years ago that uh, was from a workshop about letting go. Oh, nice. 
And this bookmark, I, I transcribed the text of this bookmark into a note on my phone so I could like refer to it. And of course, in transcribing it, that really stuck it in my yeah. head. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was then this week presented the opportunity to step up to that personal trainer and say, all right, let's Mm. do this. And so I signed up for three days a week for six months with him, canceled my other gym membership. And I did that with a little bit of hemming and hawing. And then finally I was like, Sam, just let go. Boom, Mm -hmm. do it. Just do it. If we need to print this instead of quoting it on the uh, the podcast, we can do that later. But I'm going to read this. Yeah, let's. This is um, something called Let Go, Absolutely. It was written by Augustine Burroughs for uh, Quest, which is... Oh, um, yeah, I've um, heard, of, heard of that. Yeah, it's a uh, sobriety roundup. This was in the 2013 Quest. Here's the thing about letting go that applies to people or anything. One cannot be fooled by the poetic sound of the phrase letting go because it's a brutally decisive thing, as it must be. When you let go of the string, the balloon rises instantly out of your hands, gone. When you dangle anything at all over any kind of ledge and then let go, the thing falls, and no matter how much you may regret letting go, there's nothing to grasp but air. Once you have let something go, your focus needs to snap right away to what is real and true and actually present in the world. To let something go and then yourself lean over the ledge to stare after it, longing for it to reverse back into your hands. This is the door to mental illness, to being stuck in the past. Mm. Yet it is the ing of letting that gives us the illusion that letting go is a process and not a decisive act. Mm. Saying goodbye is a process. Accepting something or somebody must be let go of. This may indeed be a long process. But the actual letting go is decisive and brutal and must, must be unwavering. Mm. Yeah, that's good. It, that's I've never good. thought about it in Me terms neither. of just, it's a decision. You know, just, it's kind of how we let go of our passion. We made a decision. This is, yeah. this is it. It's yeah. awesome. Which is why it took me so long to come to AA. Oh. <laughs> I had a feeling if I came to yeah. AA, it was going to be drastic. But Absolutely. I, I like that. That's what you were talking about with your prayer yeah yes you say the prayer yeah well you know but a lot of people i think get it a little twisted and or not i don't know how you really say it but you know we kind of those steps one two and three i mean we kind of do those before we get our first meeting if you think about it mm-hmm. you know i mean oh, yeah. there's really not like a, a big assignment you know we've we we get here we start identifying and then it's like oh yeah i should stick around well you want to stick around. There's a couple of things, you know, we'd suggest of you to do. And so, yeah, that's, but it is, that's, we got to let go of that past and just, that's awesome. I want you to send that to I'll me. I like that. that a lot. Absolutely. And we'll put it in the show notes. Sure yeah. thing. Yeah. All right, Nicole, thanks again. Yes, thank you guys. This is a lot of fun. Much look, needed. Look out for the owl. Duck. <laughs> 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 Thanks for joining us. The Boiled Owl Podcast is posted on the 1st and 15th of every month. Visit our website at boiledowlaa.org or email us at giveahoot at boiledowlaa.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org. Please note, Boiled Owl AA is produced by members of AA and only expresses our experience and opinions. It is not endorsed by AA World Services.